All right, man. Welcome to Crow 777 Radio. This is episode 293. Jason Lingren is with me. And back by very popular demand is Alphonse Fagiolo. Uh, Alphonse has launched a new website. Uh, he's got some sticking points to get it finished, but we'll talk about that. That's going to be a central place where people can meet, get documents, talk about what to do. Also, we're going to open up here with some success stories, though we will remove the names of the people who have found success using Alphonse's ideas and methods. Anyhow, welcome, Jason. Good morning, and indeed, Alphonse does have the documents. Uh, he's becoming a legend in his own time, and he has helped so many people uh, free of charge. Uh, if there is a place called heaven, maybe he's got a crown waiting. Anyhow, welcome, Alphonse. Now, legend in my own mind, I think, uh, pretty much. But uh, no, uh, just to say that the website's going to be free. I mean, I'm, I, don't, I look at it this way. If somebody comes to me for help, and I say, hey, listen, I got some stuff to my people to help you, but I, I got to charge you. It's, I would be like an attorney. I'd be like a dirt ball attorney. And I don't operate like that. So if I've got knowledge that could help somebody, I'm, I'm going to give it to you. I don't need any money from you. You know, I mean, to just take the information you get. If it helps you, great. Pass it on to somebody else. But I'm not here to profit from anybody. Okay. So in hour two, when we're talking to membership, we'll put out a request vis-a-vis Alphonse's new website um but you want to jump in here with some success stories and drop the, yeah yeah sure the uh, names. Yeah. yeah without using any names uh i had a woman contact me uh she had a nephew living with her and uh she had to get the she had to kick the nephew out basically and she was growing the marijuana for her own use doesn't matter she was growing for her own use and uh the as a retribution the nephew turned her in and they raided her house and arrested her for growing marijuana. So she contacted me and uh, uh, gave me the background story. And uh, I, I had her create her affidavits and I, I touched them up for her. So what she did is she took the affidavits and she had to go to a hearing for people that didn't have an attorney. They, they bring you in early. So she had to go to this hearing and uh, she went to the clerk of the court. And the clerk of the court wouldn't take her documents. She was, wouldn't file any of her documents. So she went up to the, the courthouse, the, the courtroom. And they asked her, uh, they called her to the, to the, to the bar, the gate, and uh, uh, they wanted her to come in. And she said, well, am I, am I waiving any rights if I cross over this, this threshold? And they asked her again, come on in. And she said, am I waiving any rights if I cross over this threshold? And like they say all the time, three times they asked her. And she wouldn't cross over and she stopped. And finally they came to the, to the gate and uh, the prosecutor came to the gate and talked to her. And she said, hey, she said, you know, I, I can't get my documents filed with the recorder, with the, the clerk. So he said, no problem. Give, give me your documents. And I, I think they really underestimated. I think they just assume she's probably one of these other free men on the land kind of, you know, she's she's got these crazy documents. So they take her documents and she's got to come back a week later. So she comes back a week later and uh, she says to the prosecutor, the assistant prosecutor, did, did you file my documents with the clerk? And he said, no. And he's coming and hauling why he didn't file her documents. She said, go get my documents. So we, they wouldn't let her in the court because she wasn't wearing a mask. So this is all done out front of the court, out front on the steps. So he went in and got her documents. He brought her documents back out. She went down to the clerk of the court. She had a recorder with her and she banged the, the, the documents on the desk. She said, I want you to file stamp every document here. And in the meantime, what she had done, she created another affidavit in addition to the one she already had. And it was an affidavit of discrimination against the clerk for not filing her documents. 
Because when someone won't take your documents, like the clerk of the court, that's record tampering. And they're federal crimes. They, they're, these they're are required. Let, let's get that straight, right? The clerk has to, if you hand them documents, they have to take them, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's like, listen, you have you have a right to make your record. And we're going to get into what they're doing and how they're denying these, these documents. But you have a right to make your record. And the reason they're denying your record, like you would to, to, to submit your documents, is they've got you under uh, basically the rules of civil procedure, which were created by the legal association, the bar. So we're going to address that, that whole thing also later, a little later. So basically, she went in and you know, they've got to take your documents because it's there's the I forget what the exact term is, but they're den- they can't deny your documents. OK, that's suppression of documents and they can't make you alter your documents to meet their their template. Of how it has to be, like you have to, you have to submit your document this way. Well, wouldn't they be assuming jurisdiction? I mean, if they're denying you um, and doing other things like you're describing, doesn't that mean they're assuming you're under their jurisdiction? Bingo! Welcome to the rules of civil procedure. It's exactly what that whole thing of what's exactly what the rules of civil procedure were put in place for were to deny you of your rights. Okay, this is this is the bar association, the legal society's way of denying you of your rights. And I could prove that they that they violate your rights right off the bat. So we'll attack that later. That we're, we're going to remove the whole rules of civil procedure. We're going to take that out of her arsenal. So I got to ask. You said she shows up with a recorder. What does that mean? She slaps them down, says stamp each document. You mentioned she had a recorder. What is that? Little video recorder she had. Okay. Little video audio because she said you're being recorded. She put it on the desk, slapped all her documents down, said I want every page file stamped. The same court recorded it that, that wouldn't file her stuff before stamped every page of her documents and filed them. Four hours later, she got a phone call from the assistant prosecutor. Uh, we're going to drop everything. Oh, how about wow. that? Wow. Here's what happened. He looked at her and undersold her, figured this woman's some free man on the land kind of nonsense. And, you know, give me your documents. He's, you know, no problem. When he looked at those documents, he seen that they're affidavits. And he's seen that basically we got some pretty heavy stuff in those affidavits, basically. Hey, you guys, are, you guys entered the house without a warrant. You know, uh, and basically what you guys did is here's the crimes you committed, you know, the list of crimes you committed. So when they seen that they were affidavits, I don't think that that prosecutor and assistant prosecutor had any intention of filing those documents because it's like self-implication. He'd be implicating himself to file those documents. So when those documents got filed, when she got that court recorder to file those documents, they folded their hands because they, so- they knew the it was up. So does that mean now that the affidavits have been stamped and filed and properly accepted by the court clerk that her standing, uh, I don't know the words, her position has been established within that court now? In other words, they have these affidavits. If they come dicking around with her anymore, uh, does what she, does this groundwork she's laid hold going forward? Absolutely. What she did really, she established her status. And, and let's talk about status real quick, because here, here's another thing they're doing to us. Listen, you, you know the hierarchy. Everybody knows it. God created man. Man created government. Government created corporations. Okay, so that's the, the pecking order. So here's what they have to do. They have to lower your status in order to claim they have jurisdiction of you. The way they do this is through the rules of civil procedure. Uh, it's the first thing you'll get when they send you something in the mail, like some claim from a borough or the township. And the court sends you this claim in the mail and the letter. First thing at the top of the letter is going to be pursuant to civil procedure rule, blah, blah, blah. So right away, they're claiming that these rules of civil procedure apply to you. 
And what these rules of civil procedure allow these attorneys to do is to do things they can't they can't do under the Constitution. Things that they're otherwise they're bypassing the Constitution through the rules of civil procedure. Okay, and these rules of civil procedure, the main purpose of them is to lower your status, because when they call you and when you get that document from the court, you're going to have the township or the borough listed as the plaintiff and you're going to be listed as the defendant. So if you respond back in any way to that uh, document and you don't counteract that defendant status that they've tagged you with, well, now what they've done, they've placed you under the judge because they lowered you from a man and they put you under government because judges have jurisdiction over plaintiffs and defendants. So that's the exact purpose of what that rules of civil procedure are for and why the, the, the term plaintiff and defendant are on those documents. And they're so blatant about it that I had a little traffic, dumb, dumb little traffic thing. And when they sent me the document from the court, it actually stated your role defended. Like I was in a play, you know, like I, I had auditioned for a play and I got a role, you know, I'm the defendant. And what they're doing is they're lowering your status. And I just ran across this again. And we'll go over that too. The uh, I had a court hearing. I was supposed to have a court hearing scheduled and they gave me the old, you can't show up to this court hearing unless you you pass a, a COVID assessment, you know, and uh, you have to wear a mask at all times. Well, of course, that generated a document for me. And I said, no, no, no. I said, you, you can't make me suffer a battery, basically, is what that is, that someone touching me without my consent in order to access an open court. And they agreed with me, okay? They knew they couldn't bring me in court. And they said, oh, we'll have to reschedule, blah, blah, blah. So right away, what you got to do is what, what we're doing with this stuff is, Never accept that role of defendant because when, and when, they, when they sent this thing to me and I responded back and I said, you can't deny me access to open court. The judge's assistant wrote me an email and stated that defendant Fagiola, you know, that's how she addressed me. And, and I ripped her a new one. I, I wrote back and I went back to the judge and went back to all the other assistants. And they had a lot. It's weird as they had a lot of other court personnel attached on this email. Well, I would think there'd just be a couple people, but I got like they they got people watching these communications going back and forth. So I wrote back and said, uh, I said, don't ever call me defendant. I said, first of all, you don't have any evidence of a plaintiff and you don't have a claim before you this court. Everything you've done is unlawful. And I went through that list, basically. So I, I took that away from them. And guess what? The next email they sent me, I now became Mr. Fagiola instead of defendant Fagiola. So they're trying to get you under their jurisdiction. Is that title yeah. acceptable, Mister, Mrs., Miss? Do you do you accept that title? No, I mean even, even Mister is basically a person, you know. But no, no, I mean I, I just basically turned wrote back. No, I'm a man. You'll address me as Alfonso Nic- Nicholas Fagiola. I'm a man, though. Basically, I'm not. I'm not any titles. Uh, you know, I don't accept titles from anybody. Okay. Can you demand what name you want? Like, can you put your foot down and say, "No, you're going to call me Alphonse"? Yeah, you can say anything you want. Yeah, absolutely. But did they have to honor that request? Well, they, they, they're not going to answer them if they call me defendant. And, and the judge, I, I, I refer to the judges by their first name. He's now John. That's Mary. You know, I, hey, hey, John. And he can say, well, you got to call me judge. And, excuse me, where does it say I have to call you judge? Can you show me that? Because the last I looked, I'm a man, you're a man. I'm addressing one man to another man. Why would I call you judge? Titles. I don't understand title so so alphonse um i let's let's cover a couple more of the successes that you've had so we can get into the meat and potatoes here uh, and, and and please don't don't, don't burn me with emails with this because i know a lot of people are in this situation but i had a woman contact me that had a 
credit card debt of, say, it's up around $7,000. And the way these credit card companies work, these pariah law firms, okay, which run by bar members, these pariah law firms go around and they purchase these credit card debts, pennies on the dollar. So they got that, they probably got that $7,000 debt for maybe $100 at the most, a couple hundred hours at the most. Uh, they purchase these, these uh, credit card debts because the credit card company can't sue you. People don't understand that. It's real hard for a credit card company to sue you because there's no man on the, or woman on the other side that can testify against you. So what they do is these prior law firms purchase these debts and the law firm sends you this threatening letter. You know, you better pay or, or else. And then what they'll do is this one law firm that had contacted this woman, they made a mistake and they actually filed a lawsuit against her and they called it a breach of contract. Well, let's look at the problems with this now. They purchased documents from some other entity, a credit card company. No one that purchased those documents from that law firm has any personal knowledge of anything in those documents. So what they did is they filed a breach of contract against her and they actually attached an affidavit from their records coordinator saying that that the records they received are valid. Well, there's no way that person who filed that affidavit could testify to that because they have no personal knowledge of anything in those records. So right away, I, I took out her affidavit. I knocked that out. I said, hey, this is this is perjury, basically. This woman has no personal knowledge of anything. And she's stating in, in, in by way of affidavit that these are valid records. She has no personal knowledge of that. So we took her, we knocked her affidavit right out. And then we attacked the whole basis of a contract. Uh, in other words, first of all, where's the contract? Because they claim that there's a breach of contract. Well, then you better have a contract in hand, a physical contract with signatures. And they didn't have that. So that was the basis of what we attacked. So now, now she, to me, I think she made a mistake because here's what happened. The attorneys actually altered the court's paperwork in some slight way. Okay. And the judge caught it. He was not happy with that. So he, he ripped them for altering the paperwork, which was hurt. That, that was she had a golden opportunity and she let it go. I mean, she could still do it, but she let it go. So he, he rips the attorneys for altering their, their paperwork. And, and then he's leafing through the, the, the folder and he sees her motion to dismiss. Now I'm not crazy over motions, but this was early on. I did a motion for her. So I did a motion to dismiss. Judge looks at that and he goes, Mr. Attorney, what would you like to do about this? And he hands him the motion. Attorney goes, oh, I didn't see this before. Now, she sent it to the attorney, the law firm, and she sent it to the court. So they had it. They had a copy of this. They, they was lying right there. I didn't see this before. And he looks at it for a minute. And he says, Judge, we're going we're gonna to non-suit, which means we're folding our hand. We're done. We dropped everything. And that's it. Shouldn't there be penalties attached to these jokers? Because basically what they've done here is they've taken up Lord knows how many hours of a living man or living woman's life. They've caused stress with threats. They've made false claims. And, um, you know, I'm not downplaying. It's so fantastic that people are dealing with this. But at some point, these dudes got to pay the piper, don't they? Well, I would have sent them a bill for my time. $500 an hour. I'm as good as any other attorney out there. That's how I look at it. So everybody's as good as any other attorney out there. So I'm $500 an hour. And, hey, I think, you know what? I spent I spent eight hours on this. You guys owe me $4,000. I would send them a literal bill. I would have sent them a bill for my time. Okay. How many hours, whatever. I'd sent them a bill for my time. And also what she had, she, she had gold in her hands because she had 
uh, attorneys altering court documents. That's fraud. That's forgery. It's counterfeiting. She could have took their she could have took their bar their bar cards. Had she filed against them, she could have filed a, a, and asked for an, a, an ungodly amount of money because those attorneys could have lost they they would have lost their bar cards for altering court documents. And she didn't want to pursue it. I think she was just happy to be done with it. And she just wanted to be sort of left alone. In other uh, words, a decent human being, unlike most of the attorneys that we're speaking about, because you know damn well they wouldn't let something like that ride. Exactly. Yeah, she just she just wanted to be left alone. And you know, that's understandable. You know, I don't blame her because these people, they put such stress on you. You know, what else are you going to do? You just want to be left alone. You know, you just, you just want it to stop. All right, we got one more success case to cover, and then we'll jump over. Yeah, we can do one more. Uh, I had a guy that contacted me, and it's funny. He had submitted an affidavit, and I think it crossed with them suspending his license. Okay, so I think they did the license suspension before they actually received the affidavit. It was like within a day or so. So he gets this this notice that you know his license has been suspended. So he calls up the, the clerk of the court, the court that sent him the, the notice, and he said, hey, I submitted an affidavit into this, this proceeding. And she said, I, I, I don't. I don't think I see that. She said, she said, let me call you back. And so she calls him back and she says, Mr. So-and-so, your license has been reinstated. That's it. it. Because he took the same things I had in my affidavit, my, my, my traffic ticket affidavit. And and he built on it a couple. Yeah. What's good is he added a couple things. I think that's great. Take something I write and build upon it. You know, if you got other things, that's awesome. So when he put that affidavit into that thing, they, they handed his license back. What, what was the cause for the suspension? He didn't tell me. He didn't say. Okay. I don't know the details of, of why they suspended his license, but that them going to suspend my license because basically I didn't pay a their traffic citation. That's the one I, I showed up to. The, the one of the courts was closed. You know, so I, I couldn't even have a hearing. And then I got a thing saying, hey, you got to pay $50 for another hearing or we're going to suspend your license. You know? Well, we yeah. know from our other contact that they closed that court because you know they knew you were coming in. They did it to you twice. We have that direct knowledge from another person, from somebody who works within the municipality. But that's that's a hell of a thing, too, if that's true. Um, closing a court, denying someone, yelling COVID to close a court when people on the inside know damn well they're closing it because you're showing up and they don't know what to do. That's a hell of a thing. But Alphonse, let's jump over. Where would you like to go? How about if we push the website that you're creating for free to help folks out and give them a place to speak with each other and freely exchange documents. What would you like to cover for the remainder of hour one? Well, let's find out how to stay out of their courts. How about that? Because that's our main problem is we're going into their courts and we don't know how not to go into their courts because people are afraid of them. All right. Uh, tell me, how do I avoid getting drug into the, uh, into the courtroom there? Well, how many times I've seen actually people, I've seen video people or audio people basically stating that uh, you don't have jurisdiction over me. Don't tell the judge and the judge. How many times you hear the judge say, well, you're here, you know, and, and you're thinking, well, yeah, I was sort of forced here. But basically, in, in order to be free, you got to have the courage to break the chains and stand up to these people. And, you know, it, it, you got to be able to, to, to make your stand. And if you're not going to make your stand. You're never going to be free from these people. I mean, look what they're doing to us now. You know, what's enough? How much is enough for everybody? You know, when do you say I've had enough and I'm going to make my stand here? And we're going to make my stand by way of affidavits, which basically sworn out of court testimony that everything I state here is true. 
And I'm going to throw those affidavits up in their face and I'm going to challenge them to come get me, come arrest me, come pick me up. Because now we're going to get into the, the, the basically the, the, the meat of the matter here. Because basically now we got to deal with my affidavits. You want to come arrest me and come pick me up? Well, now we're going to have to deal with my affidavits because you're going to have a lot of problems that you're going to run into uh, through my affidavits. And let, let's look at basically go from the start. Listen, courthouses are public. They're not private. They're not private things. They're, they're open to the public. And you look in your state constitution and most state constitutions will state all courts shall be open. And every man done an injury to him in his land, goods, person, reputation shall have remedy by due course of law and right and justice administered without sound denial or delay. These are open courts. These are public courts. These are not the bar association's courts. These are not the legal society's courts. These people are public servants that are running these courts for us, the people. Does that make sense? Yeah, but it, as, as you're pointing it out, this is being violated every every day in every state and damn near every borough across our country right now and other right. countries. I've heard you say, I've heard you see in previous episodes where shouldn't I have the right to step into the matrix and out of the matrix as I see fit? Yes, you can do that. And you could do that by way, everything's on your word, everything based on your word and the way you support your word is through affidavit. <clears throat> and when you look in your your state constitution, It'll state right there, political powers. All power is inherent in the people. And all free governments are founded on their authority and instituted for their peace, safety, and happiness. For the advancement of these ends, they have at all times an inalienable and indefeasible right to alter, reform, or abolish their government in such manner as they may think proper. Now, let's look at the word authority in basically Black's Law Dictionary. Often synonymous with power. The power delegated by a principal to his agent. You're the principal. Man created government. You're the principal. Government's your agent. They're your public servants. Start treating them like your public servants. Address them as your public servants. Don't call them judge or uh, commissioner, whatever title they want to dangle over their head. You call them what they are. Mary Smith, public servant. That's how I address them. Bob Smith, public servant. And it states, the lawful delegation of power by one person to another. So you are delegating power to the government. That's the only way government gets power is through delegation of power from the people. Power of an agent to affect legal relations of principle by acts done in accordance with the principle's manifestations of consent to the agent. Look at that word, manifestations of consent to the agent. Remember, all governments by consent, right? Otherwise, we're slaves. Well, what you're pointing out shows what's what's afoot here. There's a takeover that's seeking to derail the system you just described, which has been slowly being derailed for decades. But what's going on now is the open assault on this system. And so all the people who just submit uh, are basically feeding the beast, saying, okay, eat me, I would point out. And you know, the more I talk to you, Alphonse, it's not that difficult. Uh, to be recognized as a living man or a living woman and treated as such. But go ahead, keep going. No, and to address on your point, which I've heard you address many times on other shows, say I own a corporation. I got this corporation, okay? And my corporation basically is the government, but I own this corporation. Couldn't I decide to take a job as a janitor in my own corporation? If I wanted to, right? I could be a janitor in my, in my, in my corporation. And when I took that job as a janitor, I'd have a boss because I had a, I'd have hired a, a manager for that department. 
So in a way, he would give me direction. As long as I'm acting in the role of a janitor, he could give me directions. But at any time, couldn't I step away from being a janitor and saying, I've had enough of being a janitor. I'm going back to being the owner. That's exactly what government is. That's what this is. Okay. So you said, you know, in the past, you said, well, can't people are trying to say you've got to choose one or the other. You've got to be, you know, out of the system or, or in the system. No, you can come in and out of the system as you see fit. And if anyone wants to challenge that, start sticking affidavits in their face and calling them who they are, public servants, and making them explain how you became their property and how they have control over you. And when you start doing that, game ends. It's just kind of astonishing how many of these so-called public servants have actually become basically an enemy of the people where they think what they're doing is justified in some way. And this is part of the problem we face because when you come into a job, whether it's the you know public city governance building or the municipality building or any other job, you're trained, right? When you get there, you're shown this is how it works here. And so what's happened is the reality of what this is all supposed to be has been subjugated over time by basically the training of the new people that come in over and over and over. And so I just want to get this on the record. What we're pointing out here is legal and within your rights. Everything we have said here, right? Yeah, let's say let's say it's lawful instead of legal. Okay. Legal to me attaches to the, to the bar. Got it. They, they operate in a legal world. We operate according to law, the lawful world. Now, there's a big distinction between both, and they want you to conflate the two, and that's done on purpose. So I kind of feel like we pulled off track. We started the conversation. We're going to tell people how to avoid being yanked into the court. Should we go there? No, we're going to go there. And okay. basically, listen, power is a vacuum. You know, if you don't fill it, somebody else will. And that's what they're doing. Basically, think of like they're treating you like Fredo and they're Michael. They're the government. OK, so even though Fredo had superior status to Michael, he didn't assert it. He let Michael run the run the game to take control. And those around Michael accepted Michael as being the godfather. Uh, and that's what our relationship is with government, basically, is we're letting these people control us. And because we don't understand what they're doing to us, and it's not our fault. I mean, it, this has done, been done through the, the education system, you know, and through conditioning, through media, through our families. You know, this is how, we, this is how your father did it and your grandfather did it. And so basically, they've, uh, they've used our ignorance against us. And uh, they found ways to use the language. And everything's a magic spell. It's done through language. When I can call you a defendant, well, gee, Crow, now I could just take your status down from a man. I just put you under the judge. You know, I just magically lowered your status from man to under the judge. So now this man calling himself a judge is going to claim that he's got authority over you. And we need to know how to address that, basically. And the main way they're doing this is through, like I said, they, everyone's hung up on the, the capital letter name thing. And, and listen, that's that's going on. There's no doubt about it. They have corporation set up trust in our name. That's no doubt about that. But I look at that as a Ponzi scheme for them. That's how they're generating money. I, I get that. Okay. That capital letter name's got nothing to do with me. And nobody could ever attach that name to me or a birth certificate could, could they attach to me. So what they're doing is they got everybody in the truth community, the, the, the you know, the free man community arguing about the capital name. That's the shiny object they're showing up in the left hand. Look at this shiny object in my left hand, the capital name. Look, here's what they're really doing to you, though. In the right hand, what you're not watching is the rules of civil procedure. 
And the rules of civil procedure, like I stated, are a way for the law society, the Bar Association, to supersede your God-given constitutional rights. And how can I prove that? Well, let's see. When I get a claim from the sewer authority, first thing shows up is a mailing from the court. At the top, it states, pursuant to civil rule, uh, a rule civil procedure 236. And what it did, it allowed rule 236 allowed Mr. Attorney, who I don't know from Adam, to come in and forge a counterfeit lien against my property. And I had no due process and I had no trial by jury. But the rules of civil procedure allowed him to supersede my unalienable, which can't be done, constitutional rights. So first thing we're going to do when we get those letters is we're going to knock out the rules of civil procedure. We're going to address that, uh, basically. But what I want you to do is think about it this way. When somebody sends you, a, if somebody came to your house and they were dressed in a costume, and you came to the door and you said, who is it? And they wouldn't answer you. Do you let them in your house? No, no, no. nobody's going to let them in. You get a letter from a corporation and there's no man or woman's name on it. Isn't that somebody in a costume at your door trying to get in? Actually because, worse because there's no someone there. <laughs> exactly. And if it was a legitimate someone, you would have a process server showing up to your door saying, hey, Crow, Jason, you've been served. Here are the documents. Here's the complaint. Here's the summons. That's not what's happening. So they're in a way, they're trying to breach your castle through your mailbox. So what I do is if I get any letters from the borough, the township, the county, first thing I do is uh, I copy the envelope. I'm going to scan the envelope, all right, because uh, I want to copy the envelope. I'm not going to open that letter. I'm going to get, I got a little $10 stamp I got from Amazon, basically return to sender. And there's a line on there, I'll state, you know, reason for return. I put harassment and uh, uh, forgery and I date it. I put a date there. I cross out my address and you always want to cross out your address because I've had mail. The mailman returns the mail to me when I stick it back in, you know, return to sender. So he's not going to get an opportunity to return it to me anymore. I just cross out the address, my address. Stick it back in the mailbox, send it back to them. Then I'm going to send them a letter. And I'm basically going to state, tell them that I've reported this as mail fraud. And I actually am going to report it as mail fraud online. I'm going to show you how to do that. I've reported their letter as mail fraud. And I'm going to tell them why I reported it as mail fraud. And I'm going to uh, give them an opportunity to cure. And the way their opportunity to cure is because I state in, in my response, hey, listen, if you have a claim against my property or, or making a claim against me, you've got to provide you've got to send a do, uh, process server to my house and, and provide me with your claim you know and, and it summons the court so i may have due process to defend myself i'm under no obligation to and you, you're under no obligation to open anybody's letters you know i don't care who it comes from i don't care if it comes <laughs> from the court the pres if the president of the united states sends you a letter you're under no obligation to open that letter that's so funny you say that because it's a rule here. Um, anything that's not from a friend or someone I'm doing business with, it doesn't even get put uh, in my place for the mail. It simply gets thrown away. And I don't give and a damn who it's from. You're doing it right. That's, that's the way to do it. Because yep. you're under no obligation to open that because you know if you get something from a corporation, which is a court, your local town, your local borough, you don't have any contract with those people. You've got no obligation to those people. Everything in that letter, without me even opening it up, I could report that it's mail. I could report it's harassment and uh, extortion through the mail. I could report that on the uh, the postal service mail form because I don't even need to open it up. I could tell it's mail fraud because I know nobody's names on there. 
And I know nobody's going to take responsibility for anything on there. And the way I really know it's malfraud is I have no obligation or contract with the people that sent me this. So if I have no contract or obligation with the people that sent me this, I'm under no obligation to address their, their mail in any matter. If they've got a real beef with me, they could send a, a real claim to me with a process server. Until that guy shows up at my house to deliver documents to me, I'm not opening your garbage, I'm sending it back to you. You could have it. It's yours. So I'm going to send that back to him. And I'm also going to attach, which I gave out last show, uh, and if people have their own, use that, your affidavit of status, okay, your notarized affidavit of status. Because now there's no dispute over who I am. I'm telling them right there, look, here's my affidavit of status. You got a problem with it? Please come rebut it. I'll be happy to talk to you about this. And in their claim, the claim I sent with that affidavit of status, I'm going to point out that they are public servants, basically, and they have oaths to uphold. I'm going to let them know that. So that's the follow-up letter they're going to get. If it comes from a court, I am going to open it up. I'm going to scan the envelope. I'm going to scan the documents inside because I want to keep them in perpetuity. And then I'm going to also send that same mail fraud claim that I sent to the local borough or township. But I'm going to put a little caveat in there that's going to that's going to rattle them a little bit. Here's where it really gets dicey for them. I'm going to state the obvious that they are court officers, public servants with duties and obligations to uphold the state and federal constitutions. They're public officers. They're they're uh, they're public off. They're officers of the court, public servants with duties and obligations to uphold the laws of the state and and of the federal government. And then I'm going to attach actual criminal complaints. Now, I usually don't use their forms, but this is the one exception where I do use their criminal complaint forms because I'm really not giving anything up by using their form because I really don't expect them to do anything based on what I put down in these criminal complaints. The only reason I'm using their forms and submitting these criminal complaints is I want to make a public record that these people are committing crimes against me because there's no way. They cannot take my complaints. They may not act upon them. They may try and shelve them, but they can't claim I didn't send them to them. And they can't claim that these are not crimes against me because that's a whole other mess for them to get involved in that. So does I want to get, that, does that get mailed registered? Is, is that the idea? To, certified to mail. I'm going to send it. And get, if it comes from the court, I'm going to send it certified mail and I'm going to send it directly to the clerk of the court in their name. So basically, I'm going to I'm going to address her real name, okay? That that's the clerk of the court. Uh, but I, I'm going to call her, hey Debbie or hey Mary or hey Julie, whatever her first name is. I'm going to use her first name. Notice, I'm not going to address her as, uh, you know, Debbie, clerk of the court. I'm going to address her as, hey Mary, because I'm one man talking to another woman or another man talking to another man. I'm not going to elevate their status above me. I'm I'm not their property. I'm not owned by them. So why they're, they're public servants that are supposedly here for, for my benefit. I'm not here for their benefit. They're here for my benefit. And my public servants are acting outside of the constitution that they have an obligation to follow. And they're acting outside of the laws of the state and of the federal government. So when I give them that, that notice of mail fraud claim, and, and it's going to have other things in there, so it's not a very long document, but it's going to have other things in there. I'm going to attach my affidavit of status. And I'm going to attach criminal complaints, one for each crime they committed. And I've got a list of them here that I'll run through for people. And I know your state has very similar, if not identical, complaint numbers. And uh, that creates a problem for them. Because when you put a court officer on notice of crimes being committed against you, 
They have a duty and obligation to take an action. So here's their problem. You just laid a bunch of criminal complaints in their lap and telling them, hey, pass this on to the appropriate magistrate judge that handles uh, these criminal complaints. Now you've, you've handed them a, a, a time bomb, basically. Here, here's the bomb. Here you go. The, listen, you guys, crimes have been committed against me. Whoever filed this paperwork against me, there's crimes committed against me. And, and in that paperwork, that claim, we're going to address the obvious that that claim's written in the name of a fiction. Borough of Ridley Park or Township of Aston, whoever it is, it's in the name of a fiction. That alone is fraud. No one, it, like, Jason could not make a claim for Crow. Crow could not make a claim for Jason. I could not make a claim for another man. Another man or woman can't make a claim for a fiction. Okay? You got to make your own claims. So we want to remove this smoke and mirrors that they have that basically that a man or woman can act for a fiction. So we're going to address all that in that letter. So now they have a problem. They have these criminal complaints laid in their lap because we're not addressing the traffic ticket code they said we broke or the, the, the sewer tax we didn't pay. We're not addressing the details because we're not going to give it any validity. We're going to address basically the, uh, the process of what they're doing. And uh, there's basically, I, I call it, you know, they, they like the number six. Stay six feet away. You know, they, they love, they love, they love symbology, you know, symbolic stuff. The numbers like six. So I, I got six deadly statements that I use basically that I, that I give to them. I, a man, I mean, I'm telling you, I'm a man. I'm not the property of another man, woman, or corporation. All right. And I'll put this in affidavit form. My body and everything I, a man own and claim. And in brackets, I have God-given rights are exclusively my property. I, a man, have not consented to nor affixed my wet signature to an obligation, and in brackets, I have contract, relinquishing my rights and property to another man, woman, or corporation. I, a man, have not consented to nor affixed my wet signature to an obligation contract agreeing to be governed by another man, woman, corporation's laws, statutes, ordinances, or codes. I, a man, see no verified claim presented to me where I, a man, have violated another man or woman's rights and damaged them. The men and women, and I put in brackets, public servants, who initiated and are perpetrating this color of law action are trespassing and administering my property without right. That's is, it. That's a hell of a thing. And I want to just bring this thing up because I've, I've received quite a bit of email from the state of California, which is where I grew up and where I lived the majority of my life. So Alphonse, there's this thing that happened in the 70s called Proposition 13 in California, which people listening, I'm ballparking this. I didn't research this. I didn't plan to talk about it on there, but I'm going to get within the framework of what's correct to say what I'm saying. So Proposition 13, I think, froze the uh, property tax. So all these years in California, people have been paying, I don't know, a grand property tax. I know certainly that we had a much bigger house in California, which always had lower property tax than the tiny house here in Rhode Island, which had three times the property tax. So as the COVID stuff started breaking so many bank accounts, making people poor, they reversed Prop 19. I got a few emails from people claiming that their property tax, and I haven't confirmed this, but I don't doubt it, went from roughly 1000 a year to 10000 a year. 
Now, this plays into the idea of the Communist Manifesto, by the way, that there are claims that nine points of the 10-point Communist Manifesto have always been in place in the United States. And the one that wasn't there was, I can take your property. And the reason it wasn't there is because of what I'm describing, because we can tax, we can tax you out of it. So, Alphonse, just what is your reaction to that? So, there was this thing, Proposition 13, that held property tax comparatively low in the state of California. As everyone knows, the property values in the state of California have gone off the charts. And so now they're claiming it's 10,000 average, $10,000 or more in property tax during everything that's gone on. I mean, what's your initial reaction? Well, the reason they're doing this, I mean, to, to, let me to give you the reason in, in the way I would address it. The reason they're doing this, I look at the COVID thing, the shutting the, the small businesses down. I think they wanted to destroy the middle class. And the reason they wanted to do that was it's very easy to, easier to control people when you take out. All of a sudden, they're dependent on government. You know How many people have they, they killed with shutting half the businesses down in the countries, half the small businesses? So that's one way they control. So I had to break Alphonse's chain. Um, I thought something was going down in the house here. Alphonse, you were responding to the idea of Proposition 13 being pulled down and basically people's property taxes, if what I've been told is correct going through the absolute roof. In other words, a person who's not considerably wealthy isn't going to be able to support that burden. Yeah. And this to me, like I said, the reason I think they shut the small businesses down was to destroy the middle class. I agree with that entirely. Yeah. And the other way they're going to control you is through your property taxes, because if they can tax your property, well, there's no limit to what they can tax. They can tax it like it states in New Oblivion. They can tax you out of your property. They then have control over you, don't they? They own you. Basically. Well, it's, it's insane. We did a calculation. I don't know. It was a number of years ago. We sat down. I was still in California to figure all the things we paid taxes on. And it is insane. The amount of money um, that is taxed away. But in, in this case, we're, I mean, we're talking about people, living men and women living who many of which have lost at least part or some all of their livelihoods, their businesses have been put under stress and they're jacking these taxes up. And I have three emails claiming the median tax bill will be in the neighborhood of 10 grand. Yeah, I've got three through I got from through your show. I got uh, three restaurants I'm, I'm working with in California that I've been helping them do affidavits. And one woman just sent 50 affidavits out the other day. So uh, she's, she's making her stand. But basically, I really think it's a matter of calling them on the carpet. Basically, these six things, these are really all you need in a notice to that. Like if Proposition 13, I, a man, have not consented to nor affixed my wet signature to an obligation contract known as Proposition 13, agreeing to be governed by Proposition 13. What you if know, you were I, a voter? What if, what if you had registered as a, you know, a Democrat or Republican because then you did possibly affix your signature to something to vote on the initial proposition? Of course, people alive now and say that didn't happen because it would have been their parents. You know, we're talking about the 70s here, but how does that play into it? What if you're a registered voter? Have you agreed into things? Well, see, I, I've taken myself off the voter rolls. So uh, I, long ago. Uh, but I still don't consider that, even though if you're in a voter roll and you voted, I, I don't consider that an obligation or a contract because I didn't, in other words, you're, you're my public servant. You're there for my peace, safety, and happiness. It states it right there in the state constitution. I'm not here for your peace, safety, and happiness. You're here for my peace, safety, and happiness. I have no obligation, obligation or contract to anything you do or state. I'm not your property. And when you lay just these six points out, and, and let, me, let me give kudos to someone else who's been on this road too, is 
you had a guy uh, on your show, you did an interview with Christopher James. Christopher James, I mean, go, go check his site out of Warrior Calls. Go, go look at his videos and because he's doing the same stuff I'm doing. And we differ on a very small few points. Like he, the affidavits he considers like a legal document. I don't, I consider an affidavit a statement of truth that I could bang over people's heads, you know, uh, and, and force them to challenge me. So we, we differ on that one little point. Other, everything else, we're pretty much aligned. Down to the point in him being an uh, ex-recording engineer producer, which I am, <laughs> and us being the same age. So we're, we're really aligned. And I give Christopher kudos because he's actually got lawsuits going on up in uh, Canada that are common law suits. He's in those courts under the common law, not statutory law. He's controlling those courts. And that's the way to freedom, basically. <clears throat> that's the way when you take these statements and you file them and they don't respond to you, great. If they want to keep coming at me, now I'm going to file a claim against them in common law court. And I'm going to stay away from the rules of civil procedure. I'm going to state when I file my suit, this is a suit as a court of record. A court of record has certain elements that have to be met. A court of record proceeds according to the common law, not statutes and codes. Court of record, the magistrate, which is the judge, is separate from the uh, tribunal, which is the jury which means the judge can't throw your case out. He can't dismiss your case. He can't issue orders into your case. That case that you filed is your property. And that's one of the things you assert when you file the case. This case is my property. And anyone who files paperwork into my property that's not a party to this suit is trespassing on the case. That means they're attorneys. Because if I'm going after Mary Smith uh, you know, and, I'm, and Bob Smith, and their attorneys are filing documents into my case, I'm going to have the clerk remove them because this is my property. This attorney, I know nothing about this attorney. I have nothing to do with him. He's not going to file documents into my suit. And he can't file documents into my case because I'm not operating under the rules of civil procedure. I've, I've, I've laid that out when I, when I brought the case. We're not moving according to the rules of civil procedure. We're moving according to the common law. Okay. Another aspect of a court of record has the ability to fine or imprison for contempt. Okay, so that means contempt would be an attorney filing documents into your case. This guy wants to keep filing documents in my case. <laughs> I'm going to fine him, and if need be, I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask that he be arrested for basically trespassing on the case because this is my case. I'm filing this case. So when you move like that, the man or woman that's making these claims against you from Proposition 13, one of the questions is. Who is the man or woman claiming that Proposition 13 applies to me? And you, you don't let them sit on the government, you know, with the state of California. The state of California is a fiction. I need to know the man or woman's name who's responsible for making this claim that this Proposition 13 applies to me and my property. Well, even, even how they obtain the value is done through a third party now, all, all of it. But let's, let's touch okay. that real quick, how they Go obtain ahead. the value. How they attain the value is complete fraud and forgery. No one comes I, into your property. I had a guy come. Did you? Do it every 10 years. And I said, you have no right to enter my home. And he wanted to ask me questions. I said, I don't answer questions. You have no authority. Um, I was polite to the guy. And he split. But nonetheless, you know damn well that he generated paperwork that established a value. And he submitted it to the municipality. You're right. He did that. And guess what he just did? He just committed numerous crimes. That's a forged document he created because those numbers he put down on there for your property, right. bro, he's got, he's got no personal knowledge of anything. I know. In other words, 
when you brought if you bring him into court and you sue him, he can't even bring that document into court and say it's a, it's an assessment because he's got no personal knowledge of his own document. That's a forged document. So what, there's no assessment on your property. Yeah, I know. We're kind of between a rock and a hard place. So before we wrap up here, just let's back up a little bit back to a time before all this, I guess, civil procedure crept in and took over everything. Where I am here in Rhode Island, I'm given to understand, and I don't know if it's 100% correct, but I think I'm at least in the ballpark here. There was a time back in the day when my grandparents were alive when all the taxing that went on was tied to corporation and commerce. In other words, if you were running businesses and things like that, that's where they generated their revenue to run their town. Over time, it crept into everything. Now we're going to tax your your property. Now we're going to, you know, just one thing after another, after another, after another. But do you agree that's where we came from? That initially the idea was a municipality needs money. Because, I mean, let's be honest here. If everyone walked into their municipality tomorrow, filed affidavits, their revenue would end almost completely. And now you got a problem because now the streets can't be maintained. The garbage isn't going to get picked up. And so I'm just trying to be realist about this. The truth is, is that initially this was all set up as far as I know. And this is what I want to get your reaction on that all the taxing and the revenue generation was based on commerce, right? Had nothing to do with someone's vehicle or their home or all the other things we get taxed for. Do you think that's correct, Alphonse? Yes. Yeah, so here's what happened, basically, like your, where your house was built. At one point, that was just land, okay? And, and a developer came in and bought that land, okay? And he put a tract of houses on there. And when he put that tract of houses on there, he's, he's engaged in commerce, okay? They categorized that property, the land, as real estate, okay? And they left that designation of real estate. That's why they, you get real estate taxes, okay? In other words, they're trying, what they're doing is just like they, they diminish your status from a man to a defendant, they're diminishing your property down to real estate because real estate is under government. They control real estate. The county controls real estate. So they're trying to, basically, they're just lowering the status of your property. But that was all done through commerce. The reason that was set up and called real estate was for the developer. He paid taxes on that when he when he bought the land and he put the housing tracks up. He paid taxes on that. But what they did is they carried it over and kept it real estate and footed the bill to you. And here's one thing I'll disagree with you on. Okay. Yes, they, they probably don't have enough money to pay the services of everyone down there with affidavits and fought them. But that's not your problem. That's not my problem. That's their problem. Because when they got that county charter, or the or borough or the township. Here's how that works. When they got that charter, that charter allowed them to tax businesses in their area, whatever they right. designate as their area. In return for that money that they get from those businesses, they promised to provide the people services, picking your trash up, sending a plow through when it snows, providing schools for your little ones. That was the that was the deal they made. Now they they have bastardized that and switched it by basically telling you that you have to pay for those services. It was never set up like that, okay? It was set up as commerce for the developer who bought the property and built the housing tracks. Then they kept that going on by leaving that real estate attachment they did to you and claiming that you own real estate. And look, all these codes, statutes, and laws, it says we could tax real estate. So that's what they're doing with the so, commerce thing. So, I mean, technically, that's another thing an, an affidavit could, could do, right? You could just file an affidavit saying, I own my, my home and it's not real estate. 
Yeah, I, I am in am not property of another. My body and everything I am in own and claim given are, are exclusively my property. And you could say it in there, no one has authority to hang a title on my property to lower its status because that's exactly what they're doing when they're calling it real estate. They're so, sticking you in all those law statutes and codes. So how does it play into you know the whole registration game we've played? Everything we own is basically registered, which means technically within their idea of law, we don't own it. We've got permission to use it and we've got a certificate to prove what I just said is true from their point of view. Does any of that matter? If you go make the claim, does, you know, what supersedes what? I mean, I have a car out there uh, that I'm given to understand I don't technically own because I registered it. So I guess the state owns it, but I have a certificate and I have a registration which says I can use it. You see where I'm going here? Yeah, none of that's true. Uh, that's all BS. What they tell you, these people telling you that well, you own you you own the legal title, they own the law. That's all BS. Listen, if you got a piece of toilet paper stating that that's your house or your car, it's yours. If you paid for it, it's yours. And when you claim it by way of affidavit or testimony in court, woe woe be the man who steps forward to claim that no, you don't own your own car. I have never heard that yeah. argument from anybody. I've it's- never heard anybody come into court and argue that the DMV owns your car. How crazy is this, Alphonse? You know, if we're going to accept that what we've laid down here, which we probably should because you've had so many successful cases and there are others doing similar things, this is just about knowing, isn't it? It goes back to what James Shelby Downard said that the highest power any entity or organization can hold is control over the mind. Um, And that's what we're talking about here, isn't it? People have been convinced that these things are normal. Um, And by the way, look what's happened in this last year. All these people with no authority to make dictates have made dictate after dictate, bringing people's businesses to their knees, destroying businesses, bringing their income to a halt or vastly diminishing it. Here in the state of Rhode Island, on the actual local news, I am now starting to see on local news, uh, the business owners starting to say things like, well, what the hell does some supposed pandemic have to do with closing my business at 10 o'clock at night uh, when I make my peak revenue? And so people are slowly starting to wake up, but I think the real, the main tale that we're telling here is really the effort that it takes to keep the fraud going is much, 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 much more than the effort for a human being to reestablish what's correct here. And we've just come to a point where, I don't know, man, how do we get here? Media? Is that it? TV do this? TV and movies is how our minds were changed to accept all this? Alphonse, should we mention your website or do you feel like you need to get it ironed out a little more before we mention it? No, you, you can mention it. The only thing is that the, the, the message form owner is not working yet. Everything else is functional right now. Just the message form is not working right now. So give them your contact, if you will, and the website, which is basically being put together for free access for people to have a place to come get free documents and talk with each other about how to correctly, rightfully, honorably proceed in this world. And uh, on the on the opening of hour two, I'm going to do an ask to the membership vis-a-vis the website here. Go ahead. It's pretty simple. It's a, I am, I am, has sent me to you. So a little Bible thing I took there. I am has sent me to you.com. Listen, if you've had successes, I don't care if it's something I helped you with or somebody else helped you with. There's a section up there for successes. Go post your story up there and post whatever you know you used so that you could help somebody else. Because maybe somebody else could take something you did and your documents and use them 
for the problem they're having. And I, I, I would love to have a little community like that where you have a problem with a traffic ticket, a tax bill, whatever. You got a community to turn to to get documents and to get information from. That's my hope. All right. There it is. And, you know, I'm a no nonsense kind of person where I try to figure out both sides of the chessboard. I may be upset with someone on the other side, but I try to see the things that I do, how it will play out on their side of the board. Like here where I am, the municipality does all kinds of things that I know are probably not defensible and legal. As a matter of fact, I know damn well, but I appreciate my services. So I tolerate that. I choose to tolerate that. I consciously say that's okay by me. And one thing about what we're talking about here is people need to be careful. If you get into a bloodlust and you just want to kick someone in the nads as hard as I can, just think about what happens when another hundred people behind you come in with a mindset like that. So you should always be thinking level-headed and what's correct. And a lot of this that actually happens when we have people like Alphonse, it ends up being a bridge too far. Like here's a person minding their own business and all of a sudden the heat's turned up to 150 underneath them. And I get that, but nonetheless, try to use a level head because the goal here is not to tear down the infrastructure of a country. And I think people need to understand that. And Alphonse is right. It's on them. They hold the charter. What was written into that charter binds them. But Jason, anything you want to add before we wrap up and get ready for hour two? I think we should try and uh, look at the documents that Agent J number two sent over to us and see if we can help anybody with those. Okay. Well, she did send a bunch of docs and I sent them to Rose to vet out. And we both came to the same conclusion that we didn't want to post them and that we'd bounce them all off Alphonse simply because we didn't know if they were tried, tested, and true. Not to put anything against uh, Agent J2, I guess, as we're saying now. The effort is is really the main thing that matters here, but we're in a position where when we put things out, we have to do our best to make sure it's all correct. And it's not easy, the, the amount of information. But anyhow, that, that brings hour one of 293 with Jason Lindgren and Alphonse Fagiolo talking about basically affidavits and how to establish your, your standing uh, as a living man or a living woman and try to bring a semblance of sanity back to a world that kind of lost its mind in March of last year. And when we come back, I'm going to open up with an ask of the membership. Um, I get so many offers all the time and I got my bases covered and I usually politely say thank you for the offer, but we need a little help here vis-a-vis with what Alphonse is doing. And so there it is, man. Uh, Hour one of 293. I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. And join us on the other side at crow777radio.com, C-R-R-O-W-777 radio.com. There it is, man. Cheers.
Focus the enemy of knowing. Come.